there are doctors out there who want to medicate you. There are doctors out there who want to cut you. Um, there are doctors out there who want to prescribe you with things because they get a cut of whatever they're prescribing you. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self-love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endo Babe podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self-love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endo babes and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence and the belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me babes? See you in the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the endo babe podcast. This week I chat with Brittany Blair who you can find her on Instagram as Chic Panda Mom, but she's a fellow endo warrior, fellow adeno warrior. She had a hysterectomy at age 26 that was possibly unnecessary. Um, she's just an overall badass. I love her so much. She's such a doll. You guys are going to love her too. Um, I will warn you guys that this episode might be a little triggering because we're talking about hysterectomies and we talk about poor medical care and medical malpractice a little bit and miscarriages and a whole bunch of things. Brittany's story is incredible. She's been through a lot, um, but I just wanted to warn you guys that it might be a little triggering. So if you get triggered, just turn it off or maybe face your triggers and know that you aren't alone in this journey and we are all in this together. So I'll leave it at that, and let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe podcast. Today is a very special episode. We have the wonderful Brittany Blair on. She is a um, blogger. She has like a homemaking and motherhood blog, and she's a fellow endo, adeno, and PCOS warrior, and she's got quite a story to share with us. Hello, Brittany. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I've been better, but such is life. I'm sure everyone listening can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess let's kind of just jump in and just talk about just your personal experience with endo. Okay. So when I was 14, I had this really bad abdominal pain. My mom took me to the children's ER, um, CHT, and you know, I was 14. So they're like, oh, it's your appendix. It's this. Everything that they always said. So they did a CT scan. Wasn't my appendix. So I had my first in a children's hospital. So you can know how awkward that was for me. Um, my first ovarian cyst. So it was just like crazy. Yeah. Um, and so it all started there. And Moving forward, you know, I got engaged. We started trying to get pregnant. I had miscarriage after miscarriage. And it was just so difficult. And I could not understand why I couldn't carry a child, why I was in so much pain all the time, constantly bleeding. And 
few matches and they kept telling me nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. It's just a heavy period. Um, constantly telling me it was my appendix. That's like their number one go-to because of that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just really, really difficult to find someone who could actually believe me. I literally have medical records, a stack full of doctors who misdiagnosed me. And then finally, when I got pregnant with my daughter, um, I started seeing a perinatologist and everything started to get a little bit better from there. So, I mean, it's definitely been a long ride trying to find doctors who know what they're doing, know specifically about endo and PCOS adenomyosis, because, I mean, most OBGYNs just don't know. Yeah, and they're so misinformed and just like our whole health system is very, very broken. And so when you're really young and you're struggling with this, it's hard to get answers because they're just taught like, oh, put them on birth control. Like, oh, it's not that common. Like they don't have that, you know, it's her appendix. Yeah. Or Lupron, which you never want to go to. It's literally chemo for men with prostate cancer. Yeah. You've been on Lupron. Yeah, me too. It was terrible. I don't think I've met one woman who's had a good experience on Lupron. There's Facebook groups with women just like begging other women never to go on it. Mm-hmm. It's just a nightmare. I've been on every single hormone you could possibly think of. I actually like, I've held on to them. Yeah. For mm-hmm. If you wanted to turn medicine cabinet, you'd be like, oh my God, it's a pharmacy. <laughs> but. You know, I finally went to a doctor at Memorial. Um, I live in South Florida. And this doctor was like, okay, you definitely have endo. This is without, you know, any laparoscopies or anything. But he's looking at me. He's like, you have endo. You definitely have PCOS, which I was already diagnosed with in the past. He was like, let's do a laparoscopy, hysteroscopy, just to confirm so he does a laparoscopy, hysteroscopy, definitely all that though. And he's like, okay, well, you're in really bad shape. My partner actually found me passed out in a puddle of blood, and the paramedics had to bring me back. Oh, my God. What was the blood from? From Just from bleeding out from, I mean, they're saying it was endo. It could have been an ovarian cyst that had burst. This was before my hysterectomy, so who knows? Okay. At that point, I had been bleeding for, I believe, six months straight, just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. So after that, I was like, look, I am done. You need to get these organs out of me. Just, like, take them out. So he finally agreed to do a total hysterectomy, which, I mean, obviously, you know what that is, the surgery of the uterus. So I had all of that taken out in July of 2018. He told me this is not a cure. Endo can come back. There is no cure for endo, um, but it should make you better. And when he took my uterus out, he also diagnosed me with adenomyosis. Okay. After he had evaluated my uterus. Um, flash forward a year later, I'm still bleeding. I don't have a uterus. How the heck am I bleeding? Yeah, like he must have left some of your cervix or something with like an, your endometrium for those like cells to keep. So my partner, Mark, was... We need to go to the Cleveland Clinic, and like we're so lucky that it's only an hour away. Mm-hmm. Um, they're incredible. 
they're just absolutely amazing out there. And like anyone suffering, I would 5,000% send them to Cleveland Clinic. Um, my doctor in particular has asked me not to share her name, but the Cleveland Clinic in general, any other doctors um, that specialize in it are incredible. So I go to see her. And, you know, you have those times where you have a flare-up and you don't have a flare-up. And it's unfortunate when you go to an appointment and you're not in the middle of a flare-up because they'll do a pelvic on you and they're like, oh, nothing's wrong with you. Yeah. So I was in the middle of a flare-up. She decided, okay, we're going to do a pelvic exam. She had a couple of her nurses come in. They were literally scraping endo out of my vagina. It was like swab after swab after swab, bright red blood, and no meat. And she specifically said, this is endo, but there's no doubt. And she said at first, and so did her fellow, there's no way that she's bleeding. She had a total hysterectomy. It's not possible. It's not scientifically possible. Oh, interesting. Look well. Look, she's obviously not lying. I'm scraping it out of her. So she was like, I don't want to put you under anesthesia again. I don't want to keep doing surgeries on you because I don't know if it's going to help. So, of course, they ordered an MRI. Um, she didn't see anything. But, I mean, you know, endo can be microscopic. Yeah. Maybe it's in the pelvic wall. Maybe it's in your cuff. Maybe there's an opening in the top of your cuff um, that's allowing blood to come through and endometrial tissue. So she was like, let's try different birth controls. So I'm like, oh, great. We're going down this route again. Okay. I'll do whatever just to try. Didn't work. She does a pelvic exam, feels a mass in my lower left quadrant, right at the top of my vaginal cuff. Mm -hmm. And she was like, all right, I got to operate because that's not supposed to be there. And it was huge. So this was three weeks ago. I went in thinking it was just going to be, you know, an excision surgery. Mm -hmm. In there for four hours. Oh, my God. Um, and this is after having a hysterectomy. So, I mean, I'm thinking I'm in the clear. I'm going to have some flare-ups, but, like, it's over. So she's in there for four hours. I finally come to, and she talks to me, tells me what she did. She said that my ureter, completely surrounding it, was endo. And she doesn't freeze or um, laser off anything. She actually cuts. Mm-hmm around my ureter and my bladder, removed all the endo, cut out that tumor that she had found, which was benign, thank goodness. Um, she cut that out, and then they reopened my cup and then resealed it just to make sure yeah. the problem. But when they sent that tumor off to um, pathology, pathology found foreign materials in the middle of it. Interesting. So... Um... What, do you know what kind of tumor it was? I honestly have no idea. I just know that, I mean, it was benign. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the name of it was. Um, I know that it was the top of my vaginal cuff. Yeah, and so sometimes, like, if, for people that don't know, like, sometimes if there's, like, foreign bodies or, like, foreign material that's, like, left inside of you during a surgery... Um, your body attempts to like wall it off or kind of like encapsulate it to protect you. Right. And so then it creates like this mass. Um, I think they're called like giant mass 
giant cell masses or something like that. Um, but that's so like, what did he leave in you? So that's the thing. They couldn't figure it out. And I'm like going through my head and I'm like, all right, let's think about my post-op appointments with this guy. And so many red flags just like went go, going off. And it was so upsetting because I really liked this doctor and I thought that I could trust him and I thought he was awesome. But like thinking back, there was a time where I was in the middle of a doctor's appointment with him. And he was like, I'll be right back. I have to go deliver a baby. He came back in 20 minutes. He was literally delivering a baby like every 20, 30 minutes. And my partner joked, he was like, what is this, a drive-thru? <laughs> so my current doctor, she hasn't delivered a baby in four years. Because she's an endospecialist, yeah. Exactly. So that, like, that's what you need. And I didn't know that. It's not talked about enough. And I think it's so sad because there's not very many endospecialists. I think there's like 200 of them in the entire world. And there are like 200 million of us that have endo. And so, so many of us are with these GI and GYNs and we have these surgeries that cause more harm than good. It's terrible. So when I met with her, she was like, first of all, I would not have done a total hysterectomy on UI26. There's other things we could have done before then. Yeah. So we could do that right away. It's just ridiculous. I actually have text messages between me and him with him saying, I'll take out your ovaries too. If you're still having pain and bleeding. My current doctor's like, what? (laughs) You're like, you're kidding me. Um, And I was just like so upset. And I remember my post-op appointment after my hysterectomy talking about my external incisions and my internal, obviously the cup. And I had asked, are they dissolvable stitches? And I remember him saying, no. Mm. You can't use non-dissolvable stitches inside someone's body. So that's what they think the foreign material was at the cup. And I had bled so much out after that. And I thought they were clots. And now I'm thinking maybe they were the stitches. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, it's just like really upsetting now to think that this could have all been prevented. I could still have more kids. It's, it's ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And unfortunately, like, I feel like your story is not that uncommon. Like, I think it's like the old school way of thinking when they're like the old theory that retrograde menstruation like causes endo and so they're like oh just take the uterus out yeah like my my mom is one of the women like she had a hysterectomy at 24 um you I know like so many other women that have had a hysterectomy because of this and it's bs it's like complete bullshit oh my god I know and my daughter who will be five in a couple of weeks is like begging for a little brother and just like to tell her I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and when, like, it's, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, I know this caused so many awful things in my life. Like, I lost her twin. Mm-hmm. I lost a set of twins before that, before her. So, I mean, obviously, you know, endo causes infertility and mm-hmm. issues carrying children. Um, I almost lost Emma towards the end. And my birthing was, like, a nightmare. They had four blood transfusions during my cesarean. Oh, my God. 
I don't know if it was because of the endo exactly. I know that they did see a lot of endo and they did remove it while they were in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, just the thought that all of this could have been prevented is just like so mind-boggling. I agree. And I, like, is there anything, like, if you, what am I trying to say? Like, if you, if there's a woman listening to this podcast who is thinking about maybe having a hysterectomy, like, what would you want to say to her? You get second, third, fourth, and opinion. I only got two. And honestly, there are doctors out there who want to medicate you. There are doctors out there who want to cut you. Um, there are doctors out there who want to prescribe you with things because they get a cut of whatever they're prescribing you. So it's just, it's hard to know right from wrong when you're so young and when you're so trusting because you just want to be healed. So you're like, okay, I trust this person. This person sounds like they know what they're doing. I'm going to let them do it. I think this is going to be good for me. Was it good for me? No. So, um, I mean, any woman listening to this who's going through this, I mean, I've lost relationships over it. Um, my daughter's father is still in disbelief. He thinks nothing's wrong with me. He maintains that. And I know that's a common thing. Not just with people that we're in relationships with, but family members, friends, doctors. They think nothing's wrong with us. And it's just ridiculous. So, I mean, definitely get as many opinions as you possibly can and look fine and endo specialist. Do not just go to the corner OBGYN who delivers babies because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And most of the time those OBGYNs are performing coagulation surgery, which is just like burning the top layer of your organs and causing like a huge scab and more adhesions and more scar tissue and your endo is still there. Uh. And people don't understand that endo is completely different. Endo um, produces its own estrogen. So, you know, people are like, oh, how is your endo coming back when you've had all these surgeries? It just reproduces and reproduces. Mm -hmm. There's not enough awareness out there and people don't understand that. Yeah, I mean, you could walk down the street and ask a hundred people if they know what endometriosis is and I guarantee most of them don't. Well, no. no. Or if they do, they're probably like, oh, that bad period thing. Because <laughs> there's just not enough awareness out there. So, I mean, that's really like one of the reasons why I started the podcast and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Which is amazing. Yeah. Spread more awareness. More people need to know. And there's just so many of us out there that don't have support either. And so, for them to know they're not alone, it's amazing. It really is. I've definitely found more support over the last couple of years that I have. There's definitely way more awareness now than there used to be. Oh, yeah. Um, and like you said, there's only, you said, what, 200 specialists? Mm-hmm. Worldwide. That's insane. Isn't it crazy? Um, there's so many of us suffering. There's so many surgeries that they've done where they could research it. And they just don't. They don't. I did see, um, 
this is kind of off topic, the Department of Defense just got like allocated a bunch of money towards endometriosis research in 2020, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, still, I don't know how much money or what that's even going to, like more drugs probably. Probably. So let me ask how is how are you still kind of learning to find like happiness in your life with endometriosis it's definitely hard like like i said with my ex who i'm co-parenting with who believes nothing's wrong with me after seeing my medical records seeing my scars seeing me go surgery to maintain that nothing's wrong with me he actually said that i have Munchausen syndrome what is that where you think that something's wrong with you and it's not. Oh, like a hypochondriac kind of thing? Oh my gosh. Dude. <laughs> my partner's like, <laughs> you've seen her scars. She's covered in scars. Like you've seen her. Like she lost your child. She almost lost your living child. How could you possibly think that she's not sick? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Um, so honestly, like it's depressing. At times. And before I met Mark, I was constantly depressed. And the only thing keeping me here, to be honest with you, was my daughter. Had she not been in the picture, I don't know if I would still be here. And I mean, that's really unfortunate. And it's really hard for me to say. But I know that it's not uncommon. Yeah. People are like, oh, you don't have cancer. You're not going to die, whatever. But like when you're bleeding out constantly, yeah, you could die. And your like daily life is just depleted. You're debilitated. I've lost jobs because I've had to call out because I can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Because I'm in so much pain. And I mean, there's only so many pain medications in the world that you want to put in your body. Yeah. So it's really hard to cope. It's really freaking hard. Um, last night, um, Mark actually wanted me to send you the video, but I was like, no. <laughs> I started cramping up. So obviously I'm three weeks into an eight week recovery after mm-hmm. my surgery. So I'm still having pain. Um, my doctor said what it is, it's the nerve damage. And obviously I listened to your most recent podcast about excision, about excision surgery. Um, you know, where your muscles down there. Yeah. They're automatically, they're so used to being, filled with trauma. So any single thing that they feel going on down there, they're like attack, 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 protect the body, which causes pain. Yeah. Um, So last night I had that happen to me in the shower. I collapsed from pain and I was in the shower for a solid, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes. And he's like, we need to get you out. You're going to get pneumonia like from being cold. And I was like, I can't, I can't get up. So he was like, okay, here, you need to take your pain medication. Um, and I wrapped myself in blankets and robes and towels. And like, I stayed laying in the bathtub because I just could not get up. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that's worked for me lately is heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, even pain medication, it makes me, what he said to me is he said, when you take your pain medication, you're like superwoman. You feel like you can do things. 
And then you do them, you know, like cleaning the house, getting stuff for my daughter, whatever. And then it makes you worse because your body thinks, oh, I'm good. I can do it. You can't. Yeah. Because what it does is it essentially, it doesn't actually like help your pain. It just blocks the pain receptors in your brain. And so it doesn't think that you're in pain. And so then, yeah, you can overdo it. But you got to be very, very careful, especially because you're only three weeks out. That's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's one of the most depressing disorders out there. Yeah. And you can agree. I know that everyone listening can agree. You feel alone. Um, I'm so glad you started this because I feel like I have a support system, which I didn't really feel like I had before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's depressing. It is depressing. Uh, what are you doing to work through those like negative feelings and emotions? I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm on. I'm on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, I started seeing a therapist, and I told her everything that happened. And I was like, you know, I'm not crazy. No, you're not crazy. Like, and I told her I was like, I've had suicidal thoughts, but like. I'm not crazy. I don't understand why I'm having these thoughts. And she was like, sweetie, like, of course you have those thoughts. You're in pain every day. You're bleeding all the time. You're miserable. And you're a mom. And like, moms don't get sick. You have to just keep going and pretend that everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And after a while, like that gets old and it gets hard. So um, she prescribed me with Zoloft. And I've been taking that for a while. And that seems to be helping a little bit. Good. Not not completely. I definitely had a lot of thoughts, like upsetting, scary thoughts. Um, thank God for my daughter. I would not do anything, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's scary because it's not just a physical thing; it's an emotional thing. Yeah, it affects your whole life for sure. And I mean, that's amazing that you're on medication. Um, because depression is uh, like a chemical imbalance in your brain. And so you can't just like think yourself better or like choose positive thoughts. And I know I preach positivity all the time, but if you are like clinically diagnosed with depression, it's a physical chemical imbalance, you know? I've had therapists, you know, say, oh, write down everything you're grateful for every night. Yeah. Which, Which is great. Yeah, it works if you aren't clinically depressed, you know? You need that extra push, something else to get through the day. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. We are all human and we can get all the help that we need, you know? We deserve all of that help. We're worthy of it. Exactly. Wonderful. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Um not really. Um, just that I think that everyone needs to get as many opinions as they can possibly get. I can't stress that enough because I'm one of those cases where one of many cases where that wasn't the case with me. Mm-hmm. It's a complete disaster. Complete disaster. You've been through so much. I've had so many surgeries. I can't even count between, you know, DNCs and laparoscopies, hysteroscopies, excision surgeries, hysteroscopies me, everything. And I mean, it just destroys your body. Like I have no feeling like in my abdomen down there. It's just numb. It's completely destroyed. 
and my last surgery, they actually did a vaginectomy. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> Where they can cut out like part of your vagina. Okay, so we're gonna cut out a quarter of your vagina. I was like, what? <laughs> You're gonna what? And she was like, yeah, it's called a vaginectomy. I'm like, I didn't know that you could do that. Like that's how can you do that? Is that even a thing? Like what's gonna happen to me? And she's like, no, no, no. Like it's not a big deal. We're just gonna cut out the parts that are covered in endo just to try to avoid it from, you know, spreading and reproducing. Um, so obviously I'm still post-op. I'm, I'm in pain. I don't know if it's helped because I can't differentiate the pain of what I was feeling pre-op and the pain from the actual surgery. Yeah. Well, and it'll probably take about a good three months for all of that inflammation to go down. And so you probably won't know how we are actually feeling until like two and a half months from now. Yeah. Seems like a really long time. And they say that the the nerves take up to a year, mm-hmm. if not like longer, you know. And uh, one more thing, I know that you're probably probably been through it. Um, you've had excision surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, how bad was your endo? Um, I had stage four. Okay. Yeah. So we're in the same boat. So I mean, there's been times where you look like you're eight months pregnant. Yeah. I've actually been asked in public. Oh my God, how far along are you? Oh no. People need to stop doing that. <laughs> stop asking people if they're pregnant. Stop asking people <laughs> when they're getting pregnant. Like, mind your business. <laughs> it's just, it's insane. I just hope that people like you and um, the endometriosis, what is it called? Endometriosis. Um, Hmm? Foundation of America. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's actually going to be featured on. Um, But they're amazing. But, you know, it's, like, really upsetting. I look on Facebook, you know, the nonprofit charities that you can donate to. Mm -hmm. Like, I looked at, like, St. Jude and CHPD and everything like that in comparison and what they've raised. They've raised, like, tiny, tiny, tiny amount compared to all these other nonprofits. Really? Like the Endo Foundation has? Which is bizarre to me because this is something that, like, I mean, so many women are dealing with. And a lot of them are, they have families, they're married, they have kids. Um, So you would think that their families and their husbands would do everything that they can to help aid in finding more research for it. You'd think, but there's this weird stigma about female reproductive organs and female reproductive diseases because I mean like breast cancer you got to save the tatas like everybody loves boobs <laughs> um but if you have endometriosis and you're physically incapable of getting out of bed like it doesn't matter it's so sad this is why we need to be raising more awareness and screaming from the rooftops because there are so many of us there's just as many women that have endo that have breast cancer one in ten. Yeah. Which is like so crazy to even fathom that one in ten women are going through this and not just that. Like my biggest fear is that my daughter will get it. Because it runs it runs biologically in my family. Yeah. I'm like terrified that my daughter's gonna get it. 
Well, we need to be fighting harder so that our daughters don't have to go through the shit that we went through. I'm so glad that you're sharing your story and getting out there and advocating. We all need to be doing this. Yes, for sure. You're such a little badass. I love it. (laughs) I don't think so, but thank you. (laughs) You are, I promise. I try. It's been so fantastic chatting with you. I'm so glad you could come on. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Keep doing everything that you're doing because you are literally changing. I mean, I know it sounds like a little dramatic changing the world, but you really, really are because this is our world. Yeah, it's our world. And you're making a huge difference. Thank you. You're such a doll. Of course. Um, So how can people connect with you and find you and... Okay, so um, my Instagram is Chic Panda Mom, C-H-I-C, Panda, P-A-N-D-A, and then Mom, M-O-M. Um, so that's my Instagram. Same thing as my website, my blog, ChicPandaMom.com. So um, I was more of a lifestyle, like, mom blogger, but then I started sharing my story, and I've actually had more traction from the end of community good like um i don't know if you're familiar with like to know it Mm -hmm. so i've been applying to be on like to know it for years now and right after i posted the picture of my scars from my last surgery which went viral i got accepted (laughs) interesting to be that because obviously you know that the algorithm it changes your numbers and everything and your interaction Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, like maybe this is my niche. Maybe it's more endo. I need to be doing that. Shit, there needs to be more. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Take it and run. And the mom might become chic endo mom. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tag you. I'll put like your links and whatever in the show notes so everybody can find you. Um, and if you change it to chic endo mom, I'll change it <laughs> so they can still find you. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Oh, it's been so fun to chat with you. Yes, thank you so much for having me and for everything that you're doing. Oh, of course, of course. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye. Oh, babes, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Again, thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy this and you got something out of it, I would love for you to screenshot it. Take both me and Brittany. Um, Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-A-B-R-I, and Brittany's at Chic Panda Mom, C-H-I-C-P-A-N-D-A-M-O-M. Um, and let us know that you're listening because we love your feedback and we love you. But I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast. Mm-hmm.